Welcome back to the What You Want More podcast. Today, I am joined by a special guest I've got with me here, Mr. Troy Silhan from Bank of England Mortgage here in Jacksonville, Florida. Thanks for joining me today. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you, man. I tell you what, and uh, you know, full disclosure here, I've known you for 14 years, and uh, the thing is, maybe even a little longer than that, and I think about it, because it's our yeah, kids, kids are the same age, so almost 16. Wow, that... Wow. So 16 years. And uh, during that time, you know, I've noticed that uh, you've been in the mortgage industry for about 14 of those 16 years. You know, you've closed over a thousand transactions, you held over a thousand families during that time. And you've seen a lot between, you know, really the 14 years that you've been in the business versus, you know, most people because of, you know, the, the volume that you've done. Absolutely. And so, you know, I, I would consider you almost an expert in this particular topic manner we're talking about today. And, you know, it just, it seems like our phones are ringing off the hook. It seems like my text messages are blowing up. You know, here at the studio, we're getting tons of questions on social media about the May 1st date and everything the headlines are picking up and everything that the media and the propaganda that's being put out there wants the average consumer to believe. And I'm really excited to do this podcast today because we were able to get you on the show, pull you away from the office here a little bit. <laughs> but I mean, you were even telling me on the pre-show here how many calls you're taking in on this just from, you know, you even got asked coming into the studio today. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's incredible because even people that just know that I'm in the business want to know why this is occurring, when is it occurring. And what a lot of people don't realize is this has been put in place as far back as, as February. Correct. And the media has grabbed a hold of it and said, how can we politicize this? How can we make our mark to get clicks? Yep. And there's a lot of truths behind this that we in the mortgage industry are going to just continue to move forward with. And will it have some adverse effects? We're going to see. But- it's not as bad as you see in the right. media. Yeah, I think you put that really well. Like Right now, there's this political fire in our country, and throwing gasoline on it seems to be what the media is doing right now and making this a little bit more than what it really is, right? Um, but let's talk about what it is. So before we do, I want to kind of break down for our audience what we're talking about. Obviously, on May 1st, the FHFA, not to be mistaken with FHA. This is the Federal Housing Finance Agency. This is the agency that actually runs and governs Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac because in 2008, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were taken over by the federal government during the Great Real Estate Depression as a form of, of saving it. And so some argue they've held it for too long because they were supposed to give it back on a 10-year platform, and they haven't done that yet. So there's, there's some argument that the government's involved in this and, and really shouldn't be, but that's for another podcast. So the government agency FHFA announced in February, to your point, that there would be some adjustments based on credit scores. And, you know, I think it's important that we disclose that those are called loan level price adjustments, and you'll hear people call them LLPAs, mm -hmm. right? And so these have been in effect for, for quite some time. We'll get into those as well. But I think it's uh, real important that if you look at the, the FHFA platform, Fannie and Freddie, their goal is home affordability. That actually is one of their slogans that they use, one of their taglines. So I think that's important for this conversation as well. And so let's talk about what else happened, uh, you know, in February during that time. And also earlier in the year when they said, listen, we're not going to, we're not going to be the housing for investment properties. We're not going to be the housing for second homes. Uh, we're going to put some adjustments on those as well. So it's not just credit scores they were adjusting. They've also adjusted occupancy types and also now credit scores. So talk to us uh, for the audience. What, what is a loan level price adjustment? What does that mean? So it means that if they increase these rates that the lenders like a Bank of England is borrowing, uh, that they're going to increase interest rates. They're going to in increase the cost to the consumer to get that more affordable rate. Mm -hmm. And what they did last year is they wanted to make sure that more people were able to buy a primary residence. 
and to have achieve that American dream. So they increased, you know, cost to a second home buyer, a vacation okay. home buyer, an investor, because there were so many investors in the marketplace coming away from COVID that they said, well, we have to slow this down. We have to slow it down by increasing interest rates. Okay. That's their main way of controlling the flow of business into Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And no one talked about it. Right. I mean, we talked about it in the industry because that investor in February of 2022 could get a rate at, let's say, five and a half. And then in June, that same rate was six and a half or seven. Yeah. No with other points. change with points. <laughs> with absolutely. points if you're lucky. So now they're doing this to, again, the, the, the idea, the intent is good, mm-hmm. but it's coming at a cost to another part of the consumer, right. which is those with strong credit, those with strong down payments, folks who have you know, done the quote right thing, yep. not to say those who are, don't have affordability are doing the wrong thing, but they're trying to put together like a have and have nots. Yep. And that's driving the price up effective May 1st, but we're already seeing it even as far back into loans that we were booking March and April. Mm-hmm. Because that's to be booked in for the delivery of the loan. And so let's let's talk a little bit about this. So, you know, for our audience, I guess what we're trying to describe here is this isn't the first time in the last year they've made some significant adjustments to the rate. And so this price adjustment, this loan level price adjustment, this is a fee that is put and passed down to the lender who in turn has to pass that down to the consumer in the form of a higher interest rate. So these are sometimes called overlays or adjustments. And that is all done on what we call the back end of the pricing. So um, for example, you know, if the rate is, is six and then you had a loan level price adjustment of X, that may result in an interest rate of six and a half because Absolutely. those loan level price adjustments on the backside have to be built into the interest rate to offset the risk of this adjustment. And that's the whole reason the adjustments there is because, you know, traditionally speaking, the old financial formula tells us the higher the risk, the higher the return, the lower the risk, the lower the return. So that means you should have on a lower risk borrower, a lower interest rate. That's kind of the the medium that we've always lived by. A higher risk borrower should have a higher interest rate because there's a greater risk of default based on their history. That's always been a financial formula. And even going back to the simplicity of lending, banking 101 from the day you enter college to the day you start lending, there's always three C's of lending, credit, capacity, and collateral. The foundation of that is credit. And that's what we're talking about today is anytime you start messing with the foundation of that pillar, it starts to ruffle some feathers and really kind of piss some people off. And that's where we are today. Now add the political fire that we described earlier and add the media's, you know, gasoline on top of it. Well, we got ourselves a little bit of an explosion going on right now. And that's what we're seeing in the headlines. Oh, without question. And to your point, because of social media, there's so many talking heads. Great point. Everyone can sit in front of a camera and go, this is a problem. And what we don't know is, What's actually happening? Are we right. are we booking so many conventional loans, let's say with a 3% down, 675 credit score, and that's the way the media is projecting it. There's going to be so many more people like that getting a more affordable interest rate than a person with a 780 credit score putting 20% down. And it's just not the case. Right. Because it's not that you can offer it, it's can you close it. Right. And we as loan originators, we have to adhere to getting this loan approved through an automated system, through underwriting, and we are evaluating risk. We're also looking towards companies, you know, if you put less than 20% down, there's private mortgage insurance. Right, Well, which we'll jump into here. And the private mortgage insurance company can go, because your credit score is not better, instead of your mortgage insurance being $100 a month, it's $250 a month. Well, what does that lend into, leading into? It leans into affordability. Sure. So now, although the intent is good, the execution is not accurate. Right. And so- 
we're promoting like it's going to be a huge problem, but the industry finds a way to take care of itself yeah. and govern itself. It does. It does. And I think that um, would you agree that this is this is extremely difficult to explain to a consumer? Oh, absolutely. It's not. It's hard to explain even to someone in the business. Uh, for example, a real estate agent or even a, a mortgage, you know, processor or someone that's not doing all or, or heck, even some lenders. It's hard to explain. I've seen some people on Facebook trying to explain it, and I sit there and I go, "Well, that was a valiant effort." but not 100% accurate, right? And so, you know, that kind of led to this today. And so I think uh, one of the things that I think that going back to the pillars of lending, this just goes against every common sense risk profile because what essentially is happening is there is a gap between higher risk and lower risk borrowers. And it's usually established based on credit down payment and how much money you make. That's the three C's of lending, right? And so traditionally speaking for our audience, if you put more money down and you have a higher credit score, you would receive a better interest rate, a more favorable interest rate than someone that has a lower credit score and wants to put the minimum down payment. They are a riskier borrower. Therefore, they would receive a higher interest rate. And in between are those loan level price adjustments that we're referring to. In an attempt to bridge that gap, what the current administration has proposed and the FHFA has proposed is they want to take less of a hit on that, that lower down payment, lower credit score, less of a hit, and bridge the gap between the person with the higher credit score and a higher down payment. And the way they're bridging that gap is they're actually adding another loan level price adjustment to the higher credit score, lower down payment while removing it from the lower score lower down payment. Now, this this goes against everything you've, you know, you've ever been taught about lending. And and while we don't necessarily agree with this, and when I say we, I mean the industry does not agree with this. And we're going to get into why that's potentially bad for banking, lending, mortgage brokers, no matter who you are. It it's it it's trying to it's trying to reverse the benefits is what it's trying to do. And and really kind of bridge that gap. And I understand the intent to your point. I don't necessarily agree with the outcome and how they're going about it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, some of the key words I've been hearing are, you know, frustration. It's going to be complicated. The consumer's not going to understand. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the, let's say, well-qualified, you know, 20% down, 780 credit score. It's also includes the, let's say, lower income or, uh, you know, someone with a credit score in the 660s. Because they're going to read the headline and go, now I can buy a home mm-hmm. and I'm going to qualify for a home and all lenders are equal. And they're going to talk to a loan officer and they're going to find out, well, we can't go this route because we're not getting the approval. That's correct. And as a lender, all lenders have their own overlays. And the lender A could say, my minimum credit score is a 620 and you're eligible for all these loans. And the question I always ask is, well, how many are you closing? Right. Just because you say you can do it, what's the execution? Right. The borrower only hears, I have an opportunity to buy with lower down payment at 3% down or 5% down, and my credit's not ideal. Well, there's been a a platform for this for years, Mm -hmm. and it's been FHA. Correct. And FHA has been a great tool for folks with suspect items, a divorce, a foreclosure, Mm -hmm. bankruptcy, some certain items that have caused credit challenges where they're putting 3.5% down, 5% down. They're having an affordable rate. Oftentimes that rate's lower. And this has been in place for a long period of time. We just have this political charge to say, well, look, LLPA, it's going to be adjusted May 1st, and look how much we're helping these individuals, when indeed we've been helping these individuals 
the whole time. Yeah, through another platform, another Absolutely. medium called FHA or or USDA. You know, there's been a lot of different premiums that, or excuse me, a lot of different mediums that we can help people on in programs. You know, and and for the for the listeners at home, this is obviously confusing. LLPAs, loan level price adjustments. What does this even mean? So, you know, uh, another irresponsible thing the news did is I've seen them go out and they'll say six twenty credit score one point seven or one percent, and then you know this credit score of a 1.75 percent, and they're leading people to believe that is the origination charge, that is the discount charge, that is a physical charge in the loan transaction that these borrowers are now absorbing. That's not correct either. No. So what those price adjustments are, are those are risk adjustments baked into the pricing. That's never paid up front. So what I want to do for our audience is I'm going to put a chart in here from Mortgage Daily News. Uh, and I thought they did a, a fantastic job putting this heat map together where you'll see on this heat map, on the left-hand side, you're going to see the credit score that represents the loan. At the very top, you're going to see the, the parameters of loan to values baked in at 5% increments. And then you'll see the heat map. Where it's red is where the pricing got, the, the risk adjustments got worse. Where it's lime green, they got better. Where it's yellow, it remained neutral. And what I find here interesting to me is that, you know, if you're a high credit score borrower and you're putting less money down, you're still receiving a significant benefit as if, you know, you, you actually improved here. The only time it actually got really red is at that 80% mark. And that's if you're a 700 score and above, it got red inside there. And that's where a lot of the rift is coming from, if you may, because it's like, well, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. And we agree, the more money you put down, the lower the loan to value, you should have a, a lower risk attached to that. Um, much lower than saying putting 5% down. So that's that's what you'll see in this map. And that's where the uproar is coming from, if you may, in our industry, that doesn't make a lick of sense. So with that being said, you mentioned something earlier, we have a platform, FHA. You know, FHA in 2009 kind of became the new lender of all for all different products in there. Some called it the new subprime lender during that time. But FHA has really deployed a strategy here recently where they've lowered their monthly insurance premium. Now, that's their version of PMI, but it's called monthly insurance premium, and it's not private. It's by the government. But they've significantly lowered this, making this a very attractive product, even for higher credit score borrowers now. And one could even argue if you're a higher credit score borrower and you're putting 10% or less down, that may be the more favorable program now for you based on interest rate and this monthly insurance premium. And so if you have a lower credit score borrower who's putting minimum down payment down, it's absolutely still the best deal for you versus this conventional side. And so I think one of the things you were mentioning there was this ideology of PMI on a conventional loan. And as you stated earlier, anytime you're over 80%, You've got PMI on the loan. And I think that's the bulk of what we're talking about here is these low down payments, low credit scores, let's say 5% down credit scores in that 680 or below range. This benefit that they may be receiving, it's not even going to come close to offsetting what this private mortgage insurance premium is going to be because the difference here is private versus government. This private, they're not adhering to these new regulations. They're continuing down the path they're going. And, you know, we were running a calculation the other day before the show, and on a $350,000 loan, excuse me, a $300,000 loan, a borrower with a 660 credit score is looking at like a $386 a month PMI. So essentially, a car note. You're going to have a car that's note right. additional to your, to your PITI. It's, it's a, that's a lot to overcome. Whereas on the FHA side, it would be less than half of that. You know, and so a huge win on that end of it. And that borrower qualifies for more affordability, to your point. Oh, and they do. And, and with FHA, you know, lowering, you know, FHA has been flush with cash for a long time mm -hmm. and the default ratio is very low and, and government 
sets, whether you're a 660 credit score, 760 credit score, your PMI is the same. Your Correct. factor is the same. On monthly. that FHA loan. When you go over to the private sector, and that's the key, they're the ones holding the risk. So let's say you had a, a customer that put 5% down and they had a 675 credit score mm -hmm. and they got a better rate than maybe they would have before because of this loan level pricing adjustment. That's great for them. That sounds great. But the PMI company is looking at it going, well, there's still an incredibly much higher risk than the person putting 15% down. Correct. So we're going to build in that price to that mortgage insurance. And so a, a strong mortgage professional is going to present options to somebody and let the consumer decide what makes the most sense to them. And typically what makes the most sense to them is monthly payment. Mm -hmm. I tell borrowers all the time, you've never paid your mortgage interest rate per month. You've paid your monthly payment. Great point. And what's built into that is not only interest rate, it's mortgage insurance, taxes, homeowners insurance, everything that's built in. That's the monthly obligation that you have. Mm -hmm. So if I can show you an option at FHA that's $150 less per month versus the conventional loan that is higher, well, what makes more sense? I mean, mm -hmm. 10 out of 10 times they're going to pick FHA. But FHA had a stigma, you know, in the early 2000s, except no one wanted to go that direction. Right. Because they thought it was a loan that was not, it was not desirable. And the truth of the matter is it's this very strong product because a lot of first-time homebuyers use it. A lot of folks that have had uh, some small credit challenges. And it really helps people get on their feet too. It really helps build credit. Mm -hmm. And when they lower the monthly mortgage insurance premium, affordability, which is really the most important thing here, goes through the roof. And Troy, wouldn't you agree that right now, currently FHA has lower interest rates pound for pound than the conventional market? Absolutely. Yeah, because what happens is, you know, that market is 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 built different and it's more favorable for affordability and it's more favorable to help borrowers become homeowners, right? And so you're seeing more favorable rates. You're actually seeing those trade at a better premium, which is why you're seeing the better rate on that. And, you know, the conventional loans, everything's broken down by credit score of like, you know, 660 to 679, 680 to 699. So in these little 19 credit score increments and all these overlays are adjusted that we're talking about to those increments. Whereas on FHA, it's like, come one, come all. Let's keep, let's keep it simple. It's we it we simple. offer a primary residence loan only. Conventional's over here with Fannie and Freddie going, Second home, investment property, primary residence with 10% down. Everything has its own little layer of risk. And every borrower, borrower A could have a 719, borrower B has a 721, and they're getting a different interest rate. Yeah. How far off are those two borrowers? They're almost identical. Yeah. But so much weight is put into that two points in this example. Yeah. And I would almost argue the thing that's coming out May 1st, this new adjustment, it presents a borderline moral hazard at this point. Yes. Because what the news is creating is this notion of, um, is it okay for me not to pay my bills so that I get more favorable terms and I can put less money down? The answer is no. The answer is no. Like, that is not what you need to be doing. And that's not the approach we think you should be taking, right? Is it okay to be a little upset about this? Sure, because it's not the right thing to do for banking. And let me kind of dive into why that's the case. So, Troy, you're you're coming to get a loan from me. And now you're a lower credit score. Now, let's talk about this briefly. What would make your score on the credit realm of things be lower? Why would it be lower? Maybe you missed a payment on a car or... Too much credit card debt. Okay. You're over, overextended. You're overextended. So let me get this straight. So your score is going to be lower on credit because I've either, A, missed some payments somewhere in my history over the course of the last 24 months. Um, 
B, I have maxed all of my credit cards or I'm beyond a, let's say a 70%, you know, if I have a credit card that has a $10,000 limit, I'm at 7,000 balance or higher. So I'm overextended, might even be maxed out, right? Which is a huge penalty. Um, let's see, I've defaulted on a student loan. I mean, the list goes on and on. I haven't made a payment on this or that, but I don't have a house yet, right? But I want a house. But my history shows I don't do a good job of paying the bills because that's what my credit score reflects. Is that a correct statement? Absolutely. So as a bank, does that, do you think, or as a lender, a mortgage broker, I don't care, private money, does that attract, does that make you more attractive as a borrower to me? Not at all. No, not at, not all. at all. No, that's the moral hazard here is that why on earth as a bank, when my job is to limit the risk, uh, please note Silicon Valley Bank, if my job's to limit the risk or signature bank, why do why why should I be encouraged to extend debt to someone that currently doesn't pay their bills on time? So I'm going to give you the largest debt you've had in your life, and I'm going to give it to you at a reduced risk factor, and yet you you have a history of not paying the bills. That's the moral hazard here. That's the problem. And what's happened is the government's telling the banks and the lenders and the mortgage brokers one thing, and then they're telling the consumer-facing platform another. And when the message is that mixed and it's that cloudy, there's a cause for confusion. And to your point, this particular change that's happening will never get off the ground. And what I mean by that is, yeah, it'll go into place, but you're not going to get a private mortgage insurance company to bend on their premiums. They are going to absolutely put a higher premium on those lower credit score borrowers, lower down payment to the point to where either A, it's unaffordable, or B, it doesn't exist. So that'll never see the light of day, thus forcing more people into an FHA, which is a better product anyways. You don't have to force them into something that's better, but that's what it is. It's going to be a better product for them. But this ideology of, um, hey, you have good credit scores. Here's the thing about good credit scores. Good credit score people have made those payments. They've made the sacrifices to get that stuff done. And if they happen to have a large down payment, is it hard for them to put less down? No, it's not. No, it's not. not it's all. the easiest damn thing they can do. Oh, you don't want me to put more money down? I'll, I just won't put as much down, and I'll receive the added benefit of not doing that. So it's it, it the pendulum that they swung here was, was kind of silly in its own right. So you've got, you've got uh, another assumption that just because you have good credit – you have all this money to put down. Or just because you have good credit doesn't mean you have other financial issues going on. It just means you're making sacrifices to make the payments. You're keeping within your means. You're keeping within your means. I mean, you don't understand that, you know, there could be other financial issues brewing in the background, but you don't see that because you're now just identifying the borrower based on the credit score. And I've always found that interesting as well. It's like, oh, let's just, let's, let's make sure that the good credit score people, they're not getting the benefit that they should be getting because they have all this money and they can make their bills on time. That's not really a fair assumption based on credit scores. Not at all. And I think that that was one of the things that's kind of mixed in here and easily could cause this, you could call this a mistake, this, this passing on May 1st. And I think it will absolutely be overturned uh, and reversed sooner rather than later. So think about this. Um, who's, who's really impacted immediately on this? Would you say people that were pre-approved two months ago, haven't locked in their rate, uh, maybe pre-approved six months ago, finding a home, haven't locked in their rate, and they came to the table expecting X, and let's assume all things remain equal, and they're ready to buy, and a lender has to go to them and go, well, now it's why because of the following. Oh, absolutely. So folks that were pre-approved, let's say December, January, into February, absolutely were looking at an interest rate. And if they were to get that same interest rate today, either A, they're paying discount points to stay in the same place, mm-hmm. um, and that's just additional cost at closing, or their interest rate's higher. What the media and what they're going to think if if they're not digging deeper and talking to a professional is, well, this is affecting that right now immediately. And 
there are strategies in place. So if someone wanted to put 20% down, that, you know, we could talk to them, hey, why don't we put 10% down? Why don't we buy out mortgage insurance? Because you still have great credit. Mm-hmm. You still have a great debt ratio. Your affordability is higher than this other person. And let's put together a strategy that makes more sense so that your payment's in line with what it was yep. six months ago, nine months ago. The other consumer might not have that option because they're saddled with high credit, because they're saddled with high debt. And their their need and want to have a house and to maybe this clickbait has gotten them excited about the market. And they're like, hey, I need to buy a home because the administration says I can. There's still that great option in FHA. Yeah, a wonderful tool. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned that I thought was interesting was, you know, the the – this, the buyer with higher credit, I heard you mention something that's real important here, is there's multiple PMI options. The higher credit you have, the more options you have. One of them would be to eliminate the PMI altogether in the monthly form and just pay it up front as we call a single premium, like buying it out. What's interesting to me is that the borrower who has the higher credit score that's putting either little to no money down or 20% down is still, and I want to make this very clear, is still getting a better deal, leaps and bounds from the person with lower credit score putting less down payment down. It's not even close. Or 10 out of 10. Not even close. And what we what we need to do is really focus on we're not comparing good credit we're not comparing good credit buyers to bad credit buyers. Mm-mm. We're comparing good credit buyer today versus good credit buyer 6 months ago. That's a great point. The benefit is the good the 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 credit challenge buyer from 6 months ago is now going to get a better deal. The media the the narrative is but it's coming on the heels of the good credit bar. And this is not a Robin Hood situation. No, this is not, not a bar, you know, steal from the rich and give to the poor. Correct. It is the government through Fannie and Freddie is building an additional cost to encourage and promote the first time home buyer. Yep. The person who didn't think they could afford a home. Rents are going up. All those things that they're hearing. We want to have them achieve the American dream. Again, the intent is solid. Right. But the media has taken it. I read four articles last week, CNN, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, and so on, that all had this. It was like they just cut, copied, and Yo, pasted the story. Yeah. And it all was the same page. so negative. Mm-hmm. And they've lost the fact that there is an underlining group who, if someone thinks now, hey, Troy, I want to buy this house. I didn't think I could afford it anymore, but this new program is allowing me to. Let's talk. And then let's look at a strategy. Is this Fannie or Freddie product better? Mm-hmm. Or is this FHA product better? Is this USDA product better? It gets us to have a conversation. Yeah. And maybe that homeowner a year ago would not have had that conversation. So there's good in this. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the narrative is, is also in place of, well, it's going to come at the cost of the this other consumer who did everything right. Yeah, and that's and it's the not narrative. right versus wrong. That's not. No, you're right. And that's the narrative. And, and at the end of the day, the FHA proposal is going to be the best one. Absolutely. Before and after, it's going to be And nothing changed on that side. It's still the same. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break, and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, 
and you can find your local branch at boemortgage.com. www.boemortgage.com. Because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast. You know, it's interesting. We talked about this earlier, but when I got in the business, there was only three adjustments to the rate sheet. There was credit score, there was loan to value, and then if you were doing a cash out or a no cash out, and then later on they added some for loan sizes. Most, anybody could read a rate sheet. Now it's so darn complicated with all these LLPAs that came into place years ago. You have to have a computer tell you what the rate is because there's so many adjustments, you'd miss them. And you know, case in point is that we, we've really kind of diluted that market with all the risk overlays and factors. And that's because over the years, the data shows there's different risk levels at different credit scores. That's why that's there. That's the whole premise of why that's there. And what we're doing now is we're reverting that and we're saying, well, because we want to make things more affordable, we're willing to take more of a risk, if you may, we're willing to absorb more of a risk than we have before. And our appetite's growing for that particular borrower. That's the way you would look at that. So, there's a lot of people that will argue, do those loans even get approved? You know, for our audience, anytime you do a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac loan, you have to run it through an automated system. And that automated system is called an AUS. They both have different names. But that tells you based on a scorecard, which is a risk-based scorecard on the three Cs that I've been describing, credit, capacity, and collateral, and, and they do it in a very complex manner, are they even going to approve it? And a lot of people in the industry will argue, you can't get a 640 or a 660 approved on the conventional side. FHA all day long, that scorecard will accept it. So then there's the idea of, are you going to adjust the scorecard so the model actually identifies this to where you can get it? Because all I've heard are price adjustments. I haven't heard a single thing about the scorecard adjustment. So I think where I'm going with this is, you know, been in this business for 20 plus years, I've seen this movie before. There's a lot of uproar and there's a lot of confusion and it never catches any any windfall. It never happens because you got one side that doesn't represent, excuse me, that's talking about what they're going to do good. But if if it's internally not prepared to take place, it will never take flight. Absolutely not. And, and this happens all the time. <coughs> and each investor, each bank lender can apply their own rule book. Correct. So there's, there's credit unions in town, for instance, that their minimum credit score is a 660, whereas we'll go to a 620. Right. And there's many lenders that say the maximum debt ratio we'll go to is 45, 43 50. or 40%. Yeah. Whereas, we'll, you know, some companies go 50 on FHA, 55, 56%. That's increased buying power. Right. Because Fannie and Freddie set the rule book and then they put these pricing adjustments in, in place doesn't mean that we as a lender or any lender in the community has to adhere to allowing a 645 borrower right. buy a home using a conventional loan. And it's going to be interesting to see over, let's say, this next six months when, when loans are actually being delivered to Fannie and Freddie to see how many of these loans are, are that are, are closed have sub 680 credit scores. You quote me on this, down, quote me on this right down. here on this podcast. Less than 5% of these even close. And I'm willing to bet it's far less than that. The PMI payment alone, as we've been discussing, will actually hemorrhage those loans from being done because the payment will be so bulky it will be so big. I mean, if the average loan size in America is over $400,000, you're looking at a $580 plus payment per month in PMI on a 5% down payment with a 640 score. It is not going to happen from an affordability standpoint. It is going to absolutely crush that market. And this is, again, to your point, intent was good. 
the deployment's bad, intent was good, the communication's bad. And so when you have all of that kind of happening here, this will fizzle out. Right now, this is a headline. It'll fizzle out. A month from now, won't even be talked about. And, 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 and really, there really is nothing to talk about because the superior product, the better product for all involved is going to be that FHA product. Absolutely. And FHA so, is going to be the winner here. FHA, 100%. USDA, all the loan programs, bond lending, et cetera, mm-hmm. that are really designed to help first-time home buyers, to help lower-income uh, borrowers, to help borrowers who've had some challenges credit-wise, they're going to benefit because hopefully this information gets them off the fence. It gets their real estate agent talking. It gets them talking. Um, if I'm going to social events, barbecues, et cetera, and I'm getting hit up at a high level, these are being talked about at birthday parties, et cetera. Sure. And if it gets a few people off the fence and ultimately they buy a home, FHA walks away the winner. And and they walk away a winner. Sure. Because sometimes what you don't know, you don't know. And if these articles uh, are, are getting people to talk, maybe it adds a few people to the market to buy, and yeah. they're eager to buy. Sometimes they don't even know they could buy, and all of a sudden they're going, wow, the administration wants me to buy a home. Great. This, what they said is not going to work for you, but this will over yeah. here. And so you're looking at it from a positive standpoint because there is some positivity in the midst of all these cloudy headlines. What about the person that sits back and goes, man, this is a redistribution of wealth. What they're doing is they're preventing people with higher credit scores for buying more properties. They've taken away or they've de-incentivized the ability to buy investments, second homes. You know, we know real estate's a huge portion of the GDP. Like, so this is this is an important thing. So, you know, as the government is kind of slow walking or detouring some of that business, you got a lot of people going, this is just another way of saying, let's make sure everyone gets a trophy at the end of the day. What do you say to people like that? So first I ask them, you know, have you owned a home? How many homes do you own? Are you planning on buying real estate in the next year? Right. Because sometimes they just sick and it doesn't even impact them. A hundred percent. But it's also an opportunity in the private sector. So we've seen over the last really three years, mm-hmm. there is more other lenders out there that have found a little segment of the market going, okay, we're gonna we're, you're gonna help you buy investment property. So we're gonna have these different, you know, uh, different programs yeah, available. Debt service, debt service coverage loans. ratio loans yep. and bank statement loans, all these different things. And so that finds a marketplace. With rents high, you're going, oh, you're wanting to buy invest in real estate mm-hmm. and have an investment property. Well now look at your ROI instead of your interest rate. Mm-hmm. Very few investors are buying an investment property based solely on a rate. Yep. So they're really not affected. You also get, well, you're still ahead of the game. You've done the right things. You have the strong credit. You have the portfolio. You have the 20%, 30%, et cetera, to put down. So all we're doing with those folks is going, look, you can still buy this. Right. And you're going to still, you know, when if I send a pre-approval, let's say I send two pre-approvals, and one says 3% down conventional, Mm $400,000. And one says 25% down conventional. I mean, the seller and that agent might go, this is a stronger buyer, mm-hmm. and they might win out. Whether it's an investment property or not, it doesn't matter. Right. They're putting more money down, and that seller feels more confident that this person might close. Mm-hmm. That's a real evaluating tool. Well, and the thing I love about this is, is you've been around the block, right? Almost 15 years in the game, you understand that with this always rises opportunity out of it. Absolutely. And the opportunity that you're referring to comes out of the private sector because whenever, whenever the – let's call it handcuffs or whenever the products get kind of capped, 
a new product always arises to supplement that cap. And that's what you're referring to that's developing in the market. And we've seen it before and it's continuing to morph itself into more opportunities out there. And another thing that you're seeing out of this is we are now creating awareness for people to buy a home that maybe could have afforded it, but didn't think they could. Now we're creating an awareness to say, listen, there's, there's opportunities out there for you. And if it gets the phone to ring and if it gets some inquiries in these conversations at these functions you described, that's a win for everyone in the business, including real estate agents, including mortgage lenders, title companies, et cetera, because that's getting more people as an appetite to be a homeowner. Oh, it's a win for a, a lot of people in the industry. Sure. But those who focus on just the negative piece, mm-hmm. who I've talked to numerous over the last few weeks, seems to be the bulk of the audience. They just by the way. want to talk about how bad this is. Yeah, and it's technically not here yet. Uh, <laughs> and and then those investors, those people who want to buy second homes, they've done well. Mm-hmm. They're going to continue to do well. Sure. And it, is is it a cost? I saw. I read an article, and it said the same borrower. It, buying a $400,000 home will pay $14,000 more today than they did a year ago because of this price adjustment. No site facts. Yeah, I don't nothing. agree with that either. And, they came, and I'm sitting to, thinking to myself, well, but the average person sells or refinances their home every seven years, and you're talking fourteen grand over 30 years. This is not a reality. Right. So putting it out there and focusing on the negative, when there's so much opportunity to what you're saying, it's just going to create... Uh, better solutions for folks who are skilled, right. who can sit down with a person and say, okay, you have 300 grand and you want to invest in real estate. How about we do this conventional loan first, mm-hmm. then let's do this loan second. And now you're buying three properties instead of one and look at how this is going to cash flow for you. Look right. at this 10-year idea. That person is still going to come out way ahead. All the while, we're having new people enter the market that want to buy a home as their primary residence yes, with a little bit better deal than they were getting six months ago. Yeah, and I think it's really important. You're, you're really touching on something here that I think is really overlooked by a lot of people. Kiplinger Magazine showed the net worth of the average American in the United States, and they broke it down based on, you know, a quarter of a million, half a million, three quarters of a million, million, two and a half, 10 million plus, right? And obviously that 10 million plus, it was like 0.01, like the, the, the top of the top, right? But the reality is the one thing all those shared was that the bulk makeup of that net wealth was in real estate equity. That was really important. It was in real estate equity. So we know that there's all these notions that the average American doesn't have enough money to retire, that you know, there's not going to be maybe Social Security down the road or whatever. We've heard it all, 401ks. It doesn't matter. What, what we're doing is by encouraging more people to buy homes, we're developing that wealth for them too and giving them that opportunity for a future retirement plan as well as breaking in to the equity gains that could happen over the early portion of their life and their career. I think that's really important here and, and is vastly overlooked in this whole thing um, that the narrative that is we're taking from this and giving mm-hmm. to this, which is not happening. I want to continue to say that's not happening here. So that's really important. So, hey, you know, if you are unhappy with the the, the actual topic itself of May 1st and all the headlines, you're right, you're Congressman, share your concerns. Oh, that's that's who needs to hear this, right? Because they 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 have a controlling voice in this FHFA uh, governing body of of um, of Fannie and Freddie. And the other thing is this: you know, I've always was told by a, a coach, you know, a particular golf coach. He said, "Take what the course gives you." You know, listen. There's no reason going to the course thinking you're going to sink that pin on every shot from an approach shot. Like, take what the course gives you. If the if the flag's to the right, but you got all this room on the left of the green to put the ball and putt. Put it on the left of the green and putt. And the left of the green in this case is FHA. 
the left of the green in this scenario is FHA. Take what the course has given you. Don't get upset about things you can't change. You can't change this right now. If you want to change it, start writing or call your congressman. But other than that, take what the course gives you. And this FHA loan, I cannot stress, is a phenomenal, not even option. It's a superior option Much compared to the ones that are being presented on the news. And that's what goes back to one of our staple pieces here is that, you know, Alex from Market Distillery, we talk about the news is not your friend. It's not your friend. And this is another prime example because if it was your friend, it'd be saying, hey, this is happening, but here's a superior opportunity. And another thing is this, 50% of the loan originators in the business got in in the last three to four years. So they haven't seen this movie before. And a lot of them enjoy the clickbait. A lot of them say, oh, listen, I'm just going to pray on this as well and throw it out there. And then here we go. And let's get the phone to ring. Well, and this is not the first time. I mean, back in 2009, 2010, you could go on to your Yahoo account to send an email. And on the left side, it would say, President Obama has done (laughs) X, Y, Z to basically bail you out of being upside down $100,000. And they'd click on it and they're being called by a dozen mortgage companies and what they promised and what they ended up with were two different things. Always, right. This is not that. I don't want to be like, we're only promoting FHA. The, 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 The purpose behind this is, this is a product that's been there. And we're going to find the best solution. So I always look at a client, I start off with a big funnel and I say, okay, every client's got great credit. They have lots of money to put down. They got a great job, et cetera. And then we start to find out a little bit more. And at the bottom of the funnel is the one or two loan products that can work for them. Mm -hmm. That can work for them. Right. And so introducing this to Fannie and Freddie and making it, let's say, more affordable for them to get a conventional loan is not a bad thing. Right. It and may add s- another product to the end of that funnel. It could. It may not. It could. Yep. And and when I'm presenting options, it's, well, I mean, I would love to get an interest rate of 3% and put 3% down and buy all the properties I can. Right. But that's not the reality because we're assessing risk. So now we go down this, this funnel, we figure, okay, credit score is this, income is this, and the solutions often present themselves. Correct. So if the solution is is FHA, that's the path we're, we're going to go because we're about helping people buy a home, Correct. not promoting a rate, promoting a product, promoting this. None of that matters. It's get the consumer, get that buyer, get that family into the home for the best rate, payment, and money in the transaction. And yes, we're evaluating risk. I mean, one of the great things about risk is if you do a conventional loan, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac aren't holding that loan. Correct. If it defaults, they're coming back into, and they're calling up one of the eight or 10 mortgage insurance companies and going, hey, we need you to cut us a check. Yeah, sharing this risk with us. So they're looking at this going, oh no, this could be a problem. Right. So let's bump up our interest rates. Right. So there's going to be solutions across the board. What's great about this as we head into May 1st is it's getting the conversation going. And either you lean into the conversation and it's all bad, Mm -hmm. or you look at it, talk with some professionals in the industry, and come up with the accurate narrative of there will be people that are going to still buy homes. This is going to be helpful for some, like to your point earlier, Mm -hmm. 5% maybe is delivered, and we're going to be able to evaluate that on the back end. But how many more people are going to enter the market that want to buy? I agree. And I think what's happened here is anytime someone feels they're being jaded to offset something else that someone else has done, that's when you see the kind of moral hazard or the igniting of the fire even further than what it should be. And to your point, that's not what this is about right now. The news wants you to believe that, but that's not what this is about. And, you know, for the borrower that thinks I'm getting a worse deal today than I would be getting six months ago, 
there's superior products that offset that right now that we would love to kind of show you and kind of ease that that thought, that notion that the news has put into people's head out there because it doesn't seem to exist. But I will say this. Anytime, anytime this intent is put out there, it's usually offset with lack of deployment, and that's where we're going to be on this. So just keep that in mind here that most of this, if not all of it, will never see the light of day based on some of the yeah. other factors that we talked about in this conversation. So, Troy, thanks for being on the show sure. today. It was great having you. Great insight, great opinions, and also just great knowledge of, of how to work through this and how to really find the, the positives in this through the clouded news media and what they've put out there. So thank you again for being oh, on the show. It's been a pleasure being here. I'm looking forward to as spring turns to summer, we're going to just be busy as heck and helping as many people as we can. That's right. But thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I got one more shot, I'm gonna make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it. I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it. I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah.